You've heard the world's view of homosexuality loud and clear in recent years, but today on Abounding Grace, we'll hear God's view of it. It's one thing for those that are apart from Jesus Christ to have some answers and say, it's, it's, I was born this way, it's an alternative lifestyle, but it's a whole different thing for Christians that call upon the name of Jesus Christ to begin to say, you know what? Maybe it is an alternative lifestyle. Maybe it isn't sin. You know what happens? What happens when we begin to do that is we are now picking and choosing what part of the Bible we want to read and what part of the Bible is valid for us. And yes, what you'll hear is that was something for way back then, but times have changed. But friends, the nature of God has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His morality and His character has not changed. This is amazing grace. Today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, we'll visit Romans chapter 1. As you know, homosexuality is widely embraced and applauded in many circles today. And some in the church have gone so far as to claim it's not sin and that it should be accepted as an alternative lifestyle. But what does God think? That's what really matters. And if we're wise, we'll agree with Him rather than the world. Pastor Ed Taylor, before we launch into this rather sensitive subject, it's probably a good idea to share the heart and motivation behind a study like this. Well, Larry, the heart and motivation that we have in our teaching ministry is that we teach the whole Bible. We, that's where we start. The God has given us the whole Bible, so we teach through the whole Bible. From the very first verse in Genesis chapter 1 to the very last verse in the book of Revelation, we are committed here at Calvary Church to teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And what that means is, is that we will not skip over difficult topics. We will not skip over topics that are disruptive to our culture or might bring about a discomfort in our hearers. But at the same time, my motivation in teaching through the whole Bible is to teach with the heart of God, that, that I might reflect God's character and when he calls something sin, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's easier for someone to say, um, well, I accept that, that stealing is wrong. I, I have no problem agreeing with that. Well, God calls stealing what, he call, what we call wrong, God calls sin. And many times God calls things sin that we're not willing to call wrong. And so when we talk about a sensitive subject like homosexuality, about gender issues, about the topic of the LGBTQ community, uh, what our motive is, is to introduce you to the love of God, to tell you the truth about your current condition. And that's really the heart of the matter in Bible study, to bring you into a real relationship with the God that loves you. And I know right away people will go, well, that's the God that, that condemns homosexuality is not the God that I worship. Well, the problem with that is that you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. And so I hope you'd hear me out. I hope you would hear the Bible study out. I hope that you would stick around long enough 
to hear another side and perspective of how you see life and that you would wrestle with the truths that are presented to us in the Bible. You know, I had to do that myself. While homosexuality was not a sin that I participated in or ever committed in my life, I committed a lot of other sins where the Bible confronted me on that reality. And when I was confronted on that reality, I chose to repent and forsake my sinful past and to submit my life to a loving, caring God. And I hope you do that. My motive is love. My motive is a commitment to tell you the truth and know that your response may not be positive. It might be very negative, but hear me out in the Bible study because I believe that I'm representing the God of the Bible. I know that I am and that he loves you. And he sent us on Jesus Christ to die for all of our sins, not just this one. But because this is where we add in the book of Romans, we're going to teach on it, and we're not going to skip over it. So thanks, Larry, for asking that important question, because sometimes people forget the heart and motivation behind our Bible studies. It's because we love you, and we love you because God first loved us. So with that, let's get into the message now on God's view of homosexuality. What about homosexuality? What does the Bible have to say? Paul, in Romans chapter 1, as he's describing the downward spiral of man away from God, he comes to the place where he reveals the depth of depravity that a person falls into when they are caught up in any sin. But he also mentions a few sins. One of them is homosexuality. The Bible says that we are Christians in this world, but we are not of this world. The problem, though, being in this world is that the world influences us more than we really realize. We hear things in this world. We read things in this world. We talk to people in this world. And so if we're not careful, the world will influence us more than the world, than the church will influence the world. And so God reserves in his scriptures topics that are difficult so that we might learn from them, that we might have a heart of compassion, that we might, hey, that we might infiltrate this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ to turn this world right side up. Wouldn't it be great to have the reputation that the early church had? As, oh no, here they are. Those are the ones that have turned the world upside down. And I believe God still wants to do that work, although I would say that although they see it as turning the world upside down, I think what really is happening is God's turning it right side up and bringing us to a place where we can grow in his grace and knowledge. So that when you think of things like stealing, let's say we ask people, do you think stealing is wrong? Most people would say, sure. Do you think lying's wrong? Well, yeah. Do, do you think adultery is wrong? Sure. Fornication? Yeah. Envy? Uh, maybe. Coveting? Uh, maybe. Then you take it one step further. Well, you think stealing's a sin? Oh, yeah, yeah, stealing's a sin. You think lying's a sin? Oh, yeah, lying's a sin. And in this world, there are still those that would say, hey, hey, yeah, these things are sin. But when I mention the sin of homosexuality, you'll get a lot of different answers. Because in our world today, in our society, you'll hear things like, no, 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 that homosexual, that's not a sin. It's an alternative lifestyle. I mean, it's a valid alternative. Or some might say, no, I was born that way. This is just who I am because this is how I was born. One of the main arguments when this topic comes up certainly is, no, it's not a sin whatsoever. But you know, friends, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. And that those that practice that sin fall under the judgment of God. I mean, at the outset, let's not identify homosexuality as the only sin, but it is the topic that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. And it certainly is a hot topic going on in our society today. I ask you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because I want you to see a list of sins 
not an exhaustive list, but a list nonetheless of different sins that were in the Corinthian church or in the city of Corinth. Really, it was the type of sins that God had delivered people from. Now that they're in the church, Paul wants to encourage them. I draw your attention in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul's writing to the church and he says, Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. When living in this unrepentant lifestyle, whether it's a lifestyle as a fornicator or an idolater or a thief or someone who's covetous, if that life describes your life apart from Jesus Christ, you're not inherit the kingdom of God. That behavior is actually holding you back from a relationship with Jesus Christ. But he says, the good news in verse 11 is, and you just might want to mark these, you might want to circle these words, you might want to hold on to them. They're precious promises. And such were some of you. You know what the key word is? Were. Such were some of you. I mean, Many of us, we look at this small list and we go, well, that was a part of my life. That was a part of my life. That was a part of my life. But God delivered you. Amen? Isn't that great? Such were some of you. Well, in this list, though, are mentioned homosexuals and sodomites. Those that are living in unrepentant homosexual sin. You know, the sin of homosexuality is not new. It's been with us from the beginning of time. Sexual sin in and of itself, perverse and twisted sexual sin, isn't new. It was rampant in the ancient world. It was rampant in the Roman Empire. It was filled with it. The Roman Empire actually dissolved and caved from within. And one of the main reasons was the rampant sexual sin that was going on from within. But what's different about it today is that some Christians think it should be accepted as an alternative lifestyle. It's one thing for those that are apart from Jesus Christ to have some answers and say, it's, it's, I was born this way, it's an alternative lifestyle. But it's a whole different thing for Christians that call upon the name of Jesus Christ to begin to say, you know what? Maybe it is an alternative lifestyle. Maybe it isn't sin. You know what happens? What happens when we begin to do that is we are now picking and choosing what part of the Bible we want to read. And what part of the Bible is valid for us? And yes, what you'll hear is that was something for way back then, but times have changed. But friends, the nature of God has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His morality and his character has not changed. Really, neither has the nature of man. As we set out to make excuses for our behavior, and we've created quite a, quite a few, and many in churches today just think it's simply another way to express committed love. You know, we live in a time, friends, where in many mainline churches today, they have what are called blessing ceremonies, that they are fully on board with redefining marriage, no longer being one man, one woman, one lifetime as God has defined it. Many in mainline churches today have said, you know, let's redefine that because times have changed. It wasn't too long ago. It was actually June 19th. 2006, Reuters reported the newly elected leader of the U.S. Episcopal Church, Bishop Catherine Jefford Shorey, she said that she believed homosexuality was no sin and homosexuals were created by God to love people of the same gender. Some people, she said, I quote, come into this world with affections ordered toward other people of the same gender. And some people come into this world with affections directed at people of the other gender. She has bought a lie. It's not the truth. It's not what the Bible teaches. 
It might be what the world is trying to pass off, but it is not the truth. And it's happening, friends, in more and more churches. Far more leaders than ever before in the history of the church have bought into this lie and many others that go with it. And so we want to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Not the opinions of man, but simply what does the Bible say? Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, really 24. But really, as you've looked at it too, isn't it? It's the whole chapter because Paul's saying, this is what happens when man rejects God. This is what happens when man doesn't allow God in his consciousness. This is what happens when man says, you know, evolution, or I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't care what God's morality is. Or I do care about God because I really want to be concerned about what's going to happen after death. But I don't want any of his morality. I don't want the Bible especially. Therefore, verse 24, Romans chapter 1, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, who worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the nat natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Paul declares that homosexuality is the lowest point for a person in their downward spiral of perversion, and it's forbidden. Why is it forbidden by God? Well, like all sin, homosexuality is not bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad, because it causes great pain and sorrow, because it's not God's design for man and woman. It's not God's design for man to lie with a man or a woman to lie with a woman. It's not what God has built into us. It is not who we have been made to be. And it's important for us, I think, at this section to pause just for a moment and answer one of the fundamental questions, one of the accusations that comes up when we begin to talk about this in the marketplace, when we begin to share the love of Jesus. And by the way, it's always important to head out with a heart of love toward anyone that you're talking to toward anyone that you're dealing with. As we head out with a heart of love, we may take someone back to Leviticus. So turn there with me, Leviticus chapter 18. Throughout the scriptures, the sin of homosexuality is forbidden. And we see it all the way back in Genesis, Exodus 18. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 18. Just in case you're looking for it. Look at verse 22 with me. All the way back in the Levitical law, homosexual sin is prohibited. So Leviticus 18, verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Verse, chapter 20, verse 13. Turn the page. Leviticus 20, verse 13. This sin is condemned throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. 
If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And so you open the word with someone and you might open the Leviticus and say, from the very beginning, God has forbidden this sin. And people will come back and say something along the lines, now wait a minute, that's the Old Testament, it doesn't apply today. Or, or hold on a second, in Leviticus, don't they have other laws there, like what to eat, what kind of food to eat, how to plant your crops, what is it that you kind of clothes to wear, what kind of clothes not to wear? And the answer, of course, is yes. As a matter of fact, a group of people that gather together as a church, but are predominantly made up of homosexuals and lesbians, the Metropolitan Community Church, right on their website, they answer this question. Listen to what they say. I quote, Christians today do not follow the rules and the rituals described in Leviticus, but some ignore its definitions as of their own uncleanness while quoting Leviticus to condemn homosexual, homosexuals. Such abuse of scripture, they say, distorts the Old Testament meaning and denies a New Testament message. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. These words occur solely in the holiness code of Leviticus, a ritual manual for Israel's priests. Their meaning can only be fully appreciated in the historical and cultural context of the ancient Hebrew people. Israel, in a unique place as the chosen people of one God, was to avoid the practices of other peoples and God. So they quickly just dismiss it and say it was only for Israel. It was only for their ancient religious duties in the world in which they live. Let me just say for one second, though, it was important for Israel to stay away from the abominations that were surrounding them. So that's a partial truth. That's where lies kind of sneak in. You have a partial truth, and then the, with that partial truth, the full lie is passed in. Another thing that they say is that rituals and rules found in the Old Testament were given to preserve the distinctive characteristics of the religion and culture of Israel. But, and I quote, as stated in Galatians chapter 3, Christians are no longer bound by these Jewish laws. By faith we live in Jesus Christ, not in Leviticus. To be sure, ethical concerns apply to all cultures and peoples in every age, but such concerns were ultimately reflected by Jesus Christ, who said nothing about homosexuality, but a great deal about love, justice, mercy, and faith. Again, a partial truth, because Jesus Christ is the author of the scriptures by the power of his spirit. So anywhere we read of anything in the scriptures, Jesus indeed is the author. And he has said that homosexuality is a sin. It's in Leviticus, it's in Romans, it's in 1 Corinthians, it's in 1 Timothy. Here, you want to jot them down? Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Jude chapter 7. We're going to see that God destroyed a whole city in Genesis 19 because of this sin. It's all over the scriptures. So without reservation, we can say, hey, the homosexual lifestyle is not God's will for your life. Now, looking back at Leviticus for a second, let's understand that there's a distinct difference between ceremonial laws and moral laws. The ceremonial laws as given in Leviticus were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Jesus said he came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So that by faith in Jesus Christ, as we live by faith, we live forth in the will of God. And so when we look back at Leviticus and those things on planting and those things that are practical, that were cultural, those are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But there's a big difference between ceremonial laws and moral laws. The moral laws of God are what we would call transcendent. So that no matter what time we live in, no matter what age we live in, no matter what's before us, what societies around us, God's morality and character doesn't change. 
Just as stealing today is still a sin before God, so is adultery, so is fornication, so is lying, and so is the sin of homosexuality. Now, if the laws against homosexuality were merely ceremonial and therefore abolished, well, also in the book of Leviticus, we have the sin of raping someone. That's still a sin today. We have the sin of bestiality. That's still a sin today. And so when those laws reflect the character and the nature of God, they're transcendent for any time and any place. Homosexual sins among the Gentiles were condemned throughout the New Testament. God brought judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, upon the Canaanites. The ceremonial laws were changed by Jesus, while the moral laws specifically against homosexuality are indeed repeated in the New Testament. And so when you're discussing this, and I know it's a difficult topic to discuss, but as we're talking to people that are caught up in this sin, another question that might come out and say, now wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I'm hearing a lot of studies out there that people were born that way. I mean, more and more as I'm reading the newspaper, I'm reading magazines, I'm listening to the news, I'm hearing about more and more studies that a person is actually born this way and there really is no choice because this is the direction of their life and they realize at a very young age that this is the direction they want to know, now, want to go. Now, let me say this. This might shock you, but I actually believe that there is some truth that they are born that way because we were all born that way. We were all born with a bent towards sin. It may not be that particular sin, but the Bible says we were all born in sin. So the natural direction of our life is apart from God. But what happens is, is if we use that birth as an excuse to continue in behavior that God clearly says is not for the believer or for the person, then what we've done is set up a series of excuses to live the way we want to live and not the way that God desires. And so although there are many that are born that way in the sense of a sinful nature, it does not then give us an excuse to continue in that sinful nature when the truth of God's word comes and says, I've come to deliver you. I've come to rescue you. I sent my only begotten son, God says, to forgive you of that sin and all the other sins in your life. And if you will turn from your sin and turn to me, God says, I'll forgive you. I'll wash you. I'll clean, cleanse you. And 1 Corinthians 6 will apply to your life. Such were some of you. But you know, even the scientific studies are not conclusive, that there are a lot of studies out there even though the scientific community is pushing us in that way and the movement as, as a whole is trying to convince us of that, it's not all about genetics. I quote, A person's psychosexual identity is not written, unlearned in the genetic code or the hormonal system or the nervous system at birth, said Dr. John Money, a PhD, a professor at John Hopkins School of Medicine. Masters and Johnson, two of the most widely known authorities in the field of human sexual behavior, have said it more simply. I quote, the genetic theory of homosexuality has been generally discarded today. And in the decisions that you and I make, the Bible says you were not born this way and you have no hope or help to get out from it, but rather you were conditioned in that direction, maybe by an early childhood hurt or abuse, but it can be unlearned and it can be forsaken. The sin of homosexuality is gross immorality and bring those that practice it under the direct judgment of God. That's Pastor Ed Taylor describing God's view of homosexuality. And this is Abounding Grace. We realize this may be difficult for some of you to hear and receive, but please know that it's shared out of a heart of love. And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. 
That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation, and Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can process your order right away. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here at Abounding Grace, we're continually reminded that God is doing a great work through the radio. I wish you could see all the letters and the emails and calls that we receive testifying of that. If you'd like to help us in our endeavor to get the word out all over the world, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Simply click on Donate, and you can make a secure donation today. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll share the rest of Pastor Ed Taylor's message on God's view of homosexuality. Maybe you struggle with this temptation to engage in homosexual behavior. Pastor Ed Taylor has some hope and encouragement for you next time. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.